The iconic now, the now iconic image of Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, May 2020. This image changed everything. And a fake news story about what happened changed everything. So many lies we were told. Everything is different now, especially for Derek Chauvin. He's in jail now, and we're learning a little bit more about what happened. Yeah, 22 years in prison he was sentenced to. Is there any connection to the fact that he was stabbed 22 times last week? Yeah, we're getting more information from the court and from the federal prison system that last Friday he was stabbed 22 times by a guy trying to kill him. And that guy, a uh, convicted Mexican drug dealer, he chose Black Friday because Black Friday, BLM, thought it was somehow in solidarity with BLM and the Black Panthers. Crazy stuff, but this is Derek Chauvin's life, and Derek Chauvin is innocent. Now, I know that's, for some people, that's almost impossible to come to terms with. Certainly impossible to say at a cocktail party, he'll be kicked out. They might call the police on you. But he is innocent. He's innocent. So many lies about him, so many lies about George Floyd, and what really happened. And so many idiots, well made fools out of themselves, right? Nancy Pelosi, the media, Democrats going along with this nonsense. And a lot of lives were lost as well. It's incalculable what happened, all the damage that has been done to this country. But right now we're going to focus on what happened to Derek Chauvin. I mentioned 22 stab wounds. He almost died last week. And he is innocent. Number one, facts that people don't know. There was no evidence of asphyxiation. Zero. None. No physical findings that support a diagnosis of traumatic asphyxia or strangulation of Mr. Floyd. Also, point two, enough fentanyl in him to kill three people. Three people. They had 11, I think 11 nanograms. Well, it takes three to kill somebody. A fatal level of fentanyl under normal circumstances. Enough to kill three men. Did you know they called the paramedics? The cops did. It took more than 20 minutes for them to get there. In the meantime, what were the cops trying to do? They were trying to save his life, actually. They were helping the paramedics. Did the fake news ever tell us about that? And did they ever point out that the other defendants, if you look at all of them, the four officers, two of them are people of color? I think that's interesting. I think it's relevant, actually. Because, and why was it ignored? Why was that de-emphasized? It takes the racial component out of the story. And they wanted there to be a, they wanted us at each other's throats over race. The most important thing, though, the actual maneuver that you saw Derek Chauvin, that kneeling, and he wasn't on the neck, he was on the shoulder. The chief of police who was out to get Derek Chauvin even admitted that. That maneuver was taught by the Minneapolis Police Department, and here's proof. Were you trained in MRT, the maximal restraint technique? Yes. 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 Yes, I was. Yes, we all were. Yes, all the police officers were trained in the MRT. Your police chief said on the stand that he didn't recognize that technique. Mm-hmm. I, I heard him say that. It's tough to hear people lie, just straight lie. Yeah. <laughs> the whole damn country lied or just ignored the truth. Didn't want to get involved. Remember that? Uh, let's just let them tell the story to us and we'll go along with it. No. Not anymore. I did for a little while, for a little while. Folks, I said it again before. I'll say it now. You got to see this movie. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis, and you can see it for free, thefallofminneapolis.com. 
go there tonight. Millions of people have already seen the movie. And you'll learn about the innocent lives that have been broken by, by all the lies. Like Derek Chauvin's mother. Derek Chauvin's mother is more of a truth teller than ABC News, CBS News, Joe Biden, all of them put together. When I heard that part of the testimony, I really wanted to get up off my chair and yell, bullshit. Several of those witnesses testified that MRT, or the Maximal Restraint Technique, was not a part of Minneapolis police policy. Oh, the, um, it wasn't part of the training. The pages that were, didn't want to be presented in court because they weren't in the manual. I've seen the manual. I've read through the manuals. I've seen, I've seen them. Hmm. They're not in the manuals. Well, they sure as hell are in Derek's training manuals. So how can they say that they don't exist? That's Derek's manual. These are Derek's training manuals. And MRT is in there? Yes, it's in there. So how can you say that's not part of the training? So the chief of police at that time told a frickin' lie. That poor woman. Her son was almost murdered last week over a lie. Lies, so many lies. And so many people just afraid of the truth, don't want to get involved because, I don't know, it could make, uh, make somebody uncomfortable. The truth sometimes is uncomfortable. Not only Chauvin, there are other officers who shouldn't be in jail tonight. Uh, I want to focus right now on Officer Kyung on the lower left. We heard from his mother in that documentary. Um, I heard a little bit about his childhood. Here's a picture from when he was a kid. Uh, he's up in the white shirt. There's his mom in the middle. I mean, real people, real people have been harmed by all of these lies. Here she is. My greatest fear is that it's going to change who he is. That I just don't know. he's going to be when he comes out. So it is hard to think of him there. Every day is excruciating. And we tell him, you know, we know who you are. We know what a lie this is. And you don't have anything to apologize for. Will he be changed when he gets out of jail? Will he get out of jail? There are people who want these, these cops dead. Supreme Court will not hear the case. They would not hear it. Made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, why didn't they want to hear it? Maybe they're afraid. You know, Supreme Court, lifetime appointment, right? Looks like a cushy job. Some of them are scared stiff, I believe. You know, when Kavanaugh went through that travesty, you know, Christine Blasey Ford and all the lies, I think he was traumatized. Then he gets to the court and he might have even been further traumatized by the threats of violence coming from the dregs of society. Yeah, maniacs, horrible people, Antifa and United States senators. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, 
you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. <laughs> That's illegal. That's a threat. It's a thousand times. That's a threat. Donald Trump never said anything like that. And they allowed a riot in front of Kavanaugh's house and other justices. This is right after the Dobbs decision was released. And all these people showed up at his house, chanting, harassing. This is actually illegal. There is a federal law that you can't do this to a judge because it might influence his or her opinion. It might scare them. It might intimidate them into voting or ruling one way or the other. It may have worked. It actually may have worked. You know, somebody showed up and tried to kill Kavanaugh, showed up with a bag full of why don't we ever hear about this left-wing radical terrorist? Because he's left-wing. That's why. They can't call him a white supremacist. They actually would. I hate to say this. There are people on the left who would love it if a Supreme Court justice died. A Republican appointed justice. They'd celebrate. We can't let that happen. It's bad enough that they're terrified. Ter we should put Supreme Court justices on on military bases for their own safety. You have to see the fall of Minneapolis. It is important and you have to be bold. You have to talk about this stuff because all of this is a lie. George Floyd, the whole damn thing, glorifying that low life, total low life, by the way, the family, they're not asking any questions. They're rich. They are rich. So many people are rich. So many people are more powerful and rich because of these lies. And George Floyd, a legend, right? George Floyd, statues, museums, movies. This is the real George Floyd. And it goes on and on and on, a lengthy, basically a career criminal. And every time he was arrested, he would pull the whole, my mama just died, don't shoot, oh, I got shot last week, you can't shoot me, he'd start panicking. It was his technique, it's, it's what he did. I think we should know about his criminal record. If we're gonna have statues for this guy, if we're gonna have operas named after him, and malls and the rest, I think we should know everything about him, his criminal record, his brief history as a porn star, yeah, he was in adult movies. Uh, I mean, neither here nor there. But again, if this is going to be an icon, I don't know. Why didn't they tell us about it? Why, why do we just see this version? Why don't we see all of it? I think we should see all of it, don't you? Not just the funeral, not just the speeches. <laughs> Remember that nonsense? A state funeral in the middle, middle of COVID. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden eulogizes this creep. No child should have to ask questions that too many black children have had to ask for generations. Why? Why is daddy gone? And looking through your eyes, 
we should also be asking ourselves why the answer is so often too cruel and painful. Why in this nation do too many black Americans wake up knowing that they could lose their life in the course of just living their life? Now is the time for racial justice. That's the answer we must give to our children when they ask why. Uh, because when it's nauseating. This is the ultimate in pandering. The ultimate. Joe Biden been doing it his whole life, but man, he really turned it on over the past couple of years. And oh, by the way, how many racist things has this guy said, right? So you want to see something really cool, really creative and unique, but captures the essence of where we are right now, where the media is especially. There's a guy, he's a fitness trainer. Go to Instagram. His, his name is Fit Responder. He's a fitness trainer. Fit Responder, like first responder, Fit Responder. And he weighs in not just on fitness, but on social issues and commentary. He acts out here how the news in fake news newsrooms is created. Take a look. Sir, I think we have our headline story. A cop just shot and killed an unarmed suspect. Right. Make sure you don't use the word suspect in the title, though. That could imply that this guy did something wrong. We don't want that. We want this victim to be uh, specifically identified by his skin color Got in the it. headline. Yeah. And make sure you don't mention anything about what he was doing wrong, whether he was fighting or committing a crime or running. Uh, don't mention his criminal history. Um, and in fact, if you can find an old photo of him, like in his Sunday's best, some cute little outfit, use that for the article. Got it. Yeah, and make sure you get a quote from one of his family members talking about how he's such a sweet guy, never did anything wrong. Uh, maybe vaguely say that, you know, he was going through some rough times, but uh, was just such a wonderful person. Okay, perfect. Cop shoots unarmed white man. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. The guy that got shot, he was white? Uh, yeah, he was white. Mm, yeah. Yeah, don't cover that story. That's, that's boring. Uh, let's, let's find something else. <laughs> he nails it. It's true. It's true. Creative guy. Fit responder. Check him out on Instagram. Um, Miranda Devine is another hero out there, journalist over at the New York Post. You know, she wrote the book on uh, the laptop from hell. Literally wrote the book on the laptop from hell. And she was instrumental in getting the word about that fall of Minneapolis movie. And when she reviewed it, she pointed out that we bear some responsibility here. Listen to this. So many lies have been told since and so much truth buried by the big tech censors that control reality that the documentary arrives like a slap in the face. Now, here's the part. Uh, wake up, it says. Remember, look at the truth and hang your head in shame a little that you allowed yourself to be fooled. Never again. Never again. For about a week there. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of it was, well... I guess I have to, right? And because I didn't have all the evidence, nobody did, but people were coming to conclusions. Human beings are maybe even designed that way. An experiment, fascinating experiment done in the 1970s. Take a look. Human beings are like sheep. The ash experiment is one of psychology's oldest and most popular pieces of research. A volunteer is told that he's taking part in a visual perception test. What he doesn't know is that the other participants are actors and he's the only person taking part in the real test, which is actually about group conformity. The actors have been told to match the wrong lines. 
The volunteer will be monitored to see if he gives the correct answer or if he goes along with the opinion of the group and gives the wrong answer. Once again, the correct answer is two. Three. 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 The ASH experiment has been repeated many times and the results have been uh, supported again and again. We will conform to the group. Again, we're very social creatures. We're very much aware of what the people around us think. Uh, we want to be liked. We don't want to be seen to rock the boat. So we will go along with the group, even if we don't believe what people are saying. Got to be aware of that and resist it. That's our nature, apparently. It's also our nature to be strong and independent, I think, but be wary. And let's say a prayer for Derek Chauvin and his family. He shouldn't be in jail. He deserves to be free and alive. We'll be right back. George Santos leaving Congress as an ex-congressman right after they kicked him out. I like the guy. I don't think he should have been kicked out. And I actually, look, he hasn't been convicted of a crime. They're just allegations. And I thought he was brilliant yesterday on the floor of the House, making the case for himself and against hypocrisy. Mr. Speaker, hypocrisy, as I mentioned. My colleague wants to come up here, call me a crook. Same colleague who's accused of being a woman beater. Are we, are we really going to ignore the facts that we all have passed and we all have the media coming out against us on a daily basis? Every last one of us has struggled with every little ounce of what happens within public service. I didn't come here. I can go and read about all my colleagues. I'm not going to stand here to smear them. I'm not going to stand here and use the time I have to say ill things about my colleagues. I refuse to stoop to that level. Well, the only thing I want to make clear is if tomorrow when this vote is on the floor, it is in the conscience of all of my colleagues that they believe that this is the correct thing to do, so be it. Take the vote. I'm at peace. I have accepted that whether I get expelled or I don't, I, I have accepted that I cannot control that faith, Mr. Speaker. I have done the best I can to serve in this body and to deliver the best I can in my campaign promises to vote as a conservative voice in this body. I stand by that. Good for him. Good for him. And unlike Joe Biden, there was some contrition here. In, in his statements to me and to the public. And, well, take a look. Uh, you have any regrets in all of this? You must. Absolutely. Look, Greg, if I didn't have regrets, I'd be an arrogant person and a glutton for punishment. If I can do a lot I, different, I do a lot different. I'd associate with different people. I'd stay away from some. And I would have just followed different processes and better guidance. Unfortunately, that's not the case. I can't change the past, but I can change the future. And I can start by just, you know, acknowledging my mistakes and moving forward with my life. I mean, Joe Biden never did that. <laughs> Joe Biden doesn't do it. And when he does, the rare time he does acknowledge a mistake, like touching too many women and smelling them, guess what? A few months later, he goes back to touching women inappropriately and smelling them. 
Uh, he had some great allies. I mentioned Congressman Gates last night, uh, Congressman Higgins. And I'm really pleased that the Speaker of the House, the new Speaker, Mike Johnson, voted to not expel Congressman, ex-Congressman now, uh, Santos. Menendez, he's still in Congress. He's a United States senator, federal indictment. People wanted to resign, but they're not trying to kick him out. How about that? And this Congressman Duncan Hunter, yeah, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Gates brought him up yesterday. He was convicted of a crime and still stayed in Congress for about a week. Why is this happening? And what about, of course, Congressman Jamal Bowman? They're freaking cowards. They're gutless. They're not here. I'm talking about gun violence. You know, there's never been a school school in a school that allows teachers to carry. Carry guns? (laughs) It's funny. He's in the lobby. He's a lawmaker. Be a lobbyist. He's an actual congressman. He doesn't know how to be a congressman. He just knows how to yell and scream and, yeah, pull the smoke alarm. I mean, when I was growing up, a kid two towns over, I heard about this, pulled the smoke alarm and got in huge trouble. We heard about it two towns over. They sent them away. They sent them to, like, juvenile delinquent town and never heard from again. This guy... He goes right back to being a congressman and he gets invited on all the shows and gets to talk about just stuff. This thing should be hanging around him for the rest of his life. No, he's just pontificating now. Using a lot of rhetoric around a two-state solution for decades. And when I went there, I saw that we are nowhere near a two-state solution. Myself, as a sitting member of Congress, could not walk through certain checkpoints in the West Bank because I wasn't Jewish. Mm. So we're using rhetoric, but our policies aren't matching the rhetoric and our policies aren't matching the urgency of the moment. All right. And he's a terrorist sympathizer as well. Bad, bad, bad. It's amazing who gets to be a congressman, who doesn't get to be a congressman and who gets to be a president. You want to see a horrible lie. This is about as bad as they come. You have great personal courage. I've been with some of you when we've been shot at. He was talking to a group of diplomats who had just gotten back from Iraq. I've been with you when we've been shot at. I've been with you when we've been shot. This is stolen valor. And of course, Bo. Bo must have been a great guy. I have a lot of respect for Bo, posthumously. I mean, he, he, um, he went to Iraq, but he came home and he died in a hospital. His father, to this day, still lies about it. I think of Iraq because that's where my son died. I say this as a father of a man who won the Broad Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. My son, who spent a year in Iraq and died, was a patriot. That's just Joe, right? That's just, no, that's stolen valor. You know what Congressman George Santos lied about? He confessed to it. Going to Baruch College. I asked him about it, then he, he admitted it. Here's the reality. I'm human. I've made mistakes. I've made peace with those mistakes, and I've come clean on those mistakes. I would have never gotten the nomination from Nassau County GOP if I had not concluded college. That was really the main driver because of the way of the nature of their politics over there. It's, it's just plain and simple. Okay, he lied about going to college. I would love it if one person who voted for him voted for him because he went to, or he said he went to, Baruch College. It's a fine school public school in New York City. A lot of people haven't heard of it. Baruch College. You know, what's, what's worse, lying that you went to Baruch College or lying that you were under fire? Hmm? 
These men were under fire. Joe Biden wasn't. Seriously, what's, what's the worst lie? How about Joe says his son died in Iraq? That means he came home in a dignified transfer. Lying about Baruch College or lying about heroism? Lying about a death in Iraq and it didn't happen. George Santos, good luck to you. Still a lot of pressure. He's under indictment. But I think he's got a good heart. He may be misguided. I don't know. Maybe he's guilty as hell. Actually, tonight he's not. He's innocent until proven guilty. Good luck, Congressman Santos. One more thing. That's um, Wesley Clark back when he was running for president. On the George Santos segment we did last night, uh, we pointed out that lots of politicians have told whoppers, including General Wesley, who said he was Jewish. Well, for clarification, we did some looking into that and found his father did indeed have... Jewish parentage. So we stand corrected. And as always, this show will give you the facts. And if we ever botch anything, we're going to let you know about that. Sorry about that. And we'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Hey guys, it's Carson. Imagine this. It's the dead of night. You're lying in bed. Suddenly you hear something go bump. What is your next move? Well, you reach for the ultimate solution. The new MC-14 tip-up pistol from EAA Corp. And Gerson. This game-changing firearm is perfect for those with limited hand strength, disabilities, or anyone seeking a comfortable and user-friendly alternative. Picture this. The MC-14T features an ingenious tip-up barrel design, making loading and unloading a breeze. Say goodnight to struggles while racking a slide. Just load the tip-up barrel, lock it back down, and you're ready to fire. The MC-14T is chambered in 380 ACP, boosting a 13-plus-1 round capacity. With its reliable stopping power and compact size, it's an excellent choice for personal defense, complete with accessory rail and ambidextrous safeties. Experience a new level of convenience. Available with all EAA Corp distributors, starting at an incredibly affordable MSRP of just $498. Don't miss out on this game-changing firearm. Visit EAACorp.com today. That's EAACorp.com. You know, it would be great, a constitutional amendment to say, uh, Limit the terms of members of Congress. Term limits in the Constitution. Everybody likes that idea. People like that idea. What about a, an amendment to balance uh, the budget? I think that's good, too. You know who hates these ideas? These guys, members of Congress. They don't want to change a damn thing. And whatever they change, they, well, they have their own agenda. It doesn't seem, more and more, it doesn't seem to be our agenda. But changing the Constitution is a great big pain in the neck. Uh, first, you got to get, like, almost all of them to agree and almost every single state to agree and they kind of drive the process congress but maybe we've been looking at this the wrong way there was another way to change the constitution that's actually in the constitution that does not receive nearly enough attention it is a passion of my next guest the former united states senator from pennsylvania republican Rick Santorum and very successful uh, presidential candidate back in the day. More about that later. Uh, Senator Santorum, thanks for being here. Thanks, Greg. How does this thing work? What, well, uh, there's an easier way to change the Constitution, potentially. Well, it's not easy. As you mentioned before, it's really hard to do, but it should be hard to change the Constitution. The problem is it hasn't been. 
because the progressives using the Supreme Court have amended the Constitution over and over and over again without changing a word of the Constitution. But the only way to get that back, the only way to change that is for, uh, for conservatives to rise up. Well, they're not going to do it in Washington. They're, in 1787, two days before the end of the convention, George Mason stood up and said, are we so naive to believe that Congress should be the only ones who can propose amendments that if Washington or the federal government would become a tyranny, that the Congress would, would, would uh, come to rescue us from that tyranny. And so they came together and they proposed Article uh, Section 2 of Article 5, which gave the state legislatures the power, apart from Congress, to call a convention. It dates two-thirds of the state legislatures. Governors aren't involved. Two-thirds of the state legislatures of the states have to call a convention for the same purpose. Uh, and in the case that you were just mentioning, the purpose that I'm fighting for is to limit terms, to put fiscal limitations, and to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. Those would be the three topics that would be uh, eligible to be uh, proposed at a convention. So 34 states have to agree to do so. Right now, the Convention of States is at 19 states have already agreed to do this. If we get to 34, a convention is automatically called. All 50 states can send delegates. And then at that convention, the, uh, the uh, delegates to that convention, every state gets one vote. Uh, at that convention, uh, amendments are, are considered. Uh, 26 states have to, have to agree to propose an amendment. If an amendment, let's say term limits, let's say a term limit amendment is proposed, it is then sent to the states for ratification. It takes then three quarters of the states, 38 states have to then, both houses of the legislature have to approve that to be added to the Constitution. So it's really hard to do. It takes amendments that have broad consensus because you're going to need red states and probably some purple states and maybe even a blue state or two to get to 38. So it's something that has to be you know, a, a consensus issue in the American public. Give, people say, well, what could happen? I give one example. Uh, a, an amendment that would say that Supreme Court justice, uh, the Supreme Court is limited to nine members. Now you say, well, that's not a big deal. But it is a big deal because it's something that some left-wing president and left-wing Congress could do to completely destroy the country by, by court packing. And if you stop that by constitutional amendment, you can at least stop one horrible thing potentially from happening to this country. All right. It is still complicated, as you mentioned. It it's hard. Tell me succinctly what the key advantage, though, is that it originates with the states, yes. not with Congress. It originates with the states, and it's ended with the states. The Congress has no role to play whatsoever in this process. The president has no role to play. And interestingly enough, the governors have no role to play. It's, and, and the beautiful thing is, it's one state, one vote. What's that mean? That the small states, conservative states, have an advantage over any other form of changing the Constitution, number one. And, and number two, to ratify it, again, there are a lot more conservative states than there are number, numerically. As you look at them, you know, always look at the map for president, you say, wow, this is a big Republican state, because most of the map is red. Well, that's because most of the states are red. So the, the legislatures are always tilted toward Republicans. Uh, and, and you find that even in states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and states that are purple states are generally controlled by Republicans because the Democratic vote is all concentrated in the city yeah. and, 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 the other, and the Republicans then control most of the state. So it's actually the best forum for conservative ideas to get addressed. So we can change the swamp. Yes. Outside of the Outside swamp. Outside the swamp. This is great. It's great and it's, stuff. You, we can go to conventionofstates.com. This is the group you're affiliated with and yes. some great conservatives as well. Mark Levin and more. Yeah. 
This is, I mean, and it's been sitting there for what? 200 and uh, never been used. It's been tried many times, but they've never been able to get to those 34 states. It's hard. It's hard to do. And you need a national movement. And that's what we're trying to try to get going. Well, I think it's uh, awesome. And uh, George Mason, wherever you are, great idea. Great idea. Indeed. Rick Santorum, we appreciate it very, very much. Um, Thank you. Thanks. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back. I'll say it again. I'm going to miss this guy, George Santos. I think he got a really bum deal. If anything, the treatment of him really highlights, uh, well, the unfairness of the media. Uh, I'm still deeply suspicious of career politicians. They're the ones who told us he's a bad guy. I haven't seen the proof. But I'd like to get some expert opinion. Uh, We have with us uh, Scott Rouse, the body language expert. We always love hearing from him. And also Caroline Levitt, spokeswoman for Make America Great Again, Inc., and uh, Caroline, first to you, what is MAGA's take? I know what my take is on him. I think he got screwed. I think he still belongs in Congress, at least until a conviction, if he gets one. Where do you come down and where, does, where do you think MAGA comes down on George Santos? I agree with you, Greg. I think that the House Republican Conference and everyone in the House of Representatives should have let the courts let this play out. They should have allowed for a conviction if that were to be the case, and then maybe move forward with expulsion. I think it's unfortunate that we saw what happened today. It's uh, really unprecedented times. And And once again, unfortunately, the House Republican Conference couldn't stick together while you have Democrats allowing Senator Mendez to have gold bars from Egypt in his closet at home. He's still getting classified intel briefings. And you also have Jamal Bowman, right? They never voted to expel him after he pulled the fire alarm on the (laughs) Capitol. So it's unfortunate to see that we're spending time focusing on George Santos and all the money that he spent. We should be focusing on all the money that the Biden spent and laundered to Joe Biden himself when he was vice president. We're all over that, but it's still an intriguing episode. This guy is... Women are totally fascinated by him, at least around in my world. Do me a favor, Scott. Watch this. It's from earlier this week on Tuesday. George Santos speaking. Okay. Do you know what's a good use of all of our time? Is fixing the massive inflation in this country. Is fixing the issues we have in our border. I went to San Diego last week. It is terrible. Terrible. That's what we should be putting our energy on, not on censuring one another, expelling one another, witch hunts against the political class. Nobody cares. If this building, if this city put the effort to fixing our country the same way that they put on expelling me, we'd be in a better place. Scott Rouse, I totally agree with him. Uh, Some people say he's crazy. I do not pick up crazy. I just don't. But what are you seeing when he speaks? Uh, somebody who looks pretty worried. We're seeing a lot of stress on him. When you see the eyebrows up like that, we call we refer to that as request for approval. That's uh, um, something you'll see when someone's trying to get their point across. It, we see a lot of, of uh, gesturing with his head. We see a few of these, what we call illustrators, when your hand comes up and you're making points with your hand because you're emphasizing specific words and phrases. So that's normal for somebody who's a little bit heated as, as he is right there. So, and people will say, oh, you may look crazy, but he's a little, I think he's a little PO'd right there. So that lets you know what's happening. Uh, all right. Good. Good. All right. That's a, a normal, a normal uh, kind of showing of stress. Pete Buttigieg, 
All right, this guy is not stressed out. This guy has been taking it easy. I think we have some video of him. Or actually, let's just listen to him uh, doing what he loves doing the most, being on MSNBC. We're about the bread and butter of governing. We're not about the chaos. We're not about the drama. We're not about the partisan politics. Uh, we're about getting stuff done. All right. I think, Caroline, that he should be the star of Donald Trump's campaign because he exemplifies so much of what is wrong with the Biden administration. But please, where does MAGA come down on him? Weakness, incompetence, and a guy who got a job just because he checks a box, because he's a gay man, not because he has the skill set or the resume to lead the Department of Transportation. Has anyone taken a flight this year? I've taken a lot of them, and almost every single one has been delayed. The airline industry is an absolute mess. The transportation industry is horrid. He, ne he took him days to go to East Palestine after the train derailment. This guy has no business being in this position of power. But if you look at Joe Biden's entire cabinet, unfortunately, is it is that way. And that's why we have weakness here at home and chaos abroad. Uh, you know, um, he did get that job because he's gay and it has. We don't care that he's gay, but every political journalist in the world made that a thing. And that's why he basically won Iowa and uh, became a superstar. What do you see? Well, we see somebody who's saying something that, that I don't believe was his idea to say, because when he says bread and butter right there at the very top of that, you can see when he says butter, there's what's what we refer to as a micro expression. It's a micro expression of anger, and that's a, a a leaking of an emotion, a micro expression that you that you don't want anyone to see, but it comes out anyway. And if you'll slow down where he says butter, at the end of butter, you'll see his face go into a classic uh, expression of anger. The nostrils flare a little bit. His mouth comes up, and and we see uh, almost they're not pursed lips, but they're lips that are pressed together. It's compressed lips, and it makes the anger. Um, expression. So that's, I th and then as he speaks, it's really odd because when he yeah. says something, his eyes will blink with every word. Every after every little sentence he says, his eyes will blink right after that. So he's memorized this, but I think he's also reading part of it as well. This uh, is very micro. It's very micro. I didn't see it until you pointed it out, and we froze it. He no. is angry. Wow. Yeah. All right. This is a classic, and I always wanted to break this down with both of you. It's a while back, but. A reporter, Ducey, who's very good, asked Joe Biden about that granddaughter. At the time, he wasn't acknowledging that he had a seventh granddaughter. And I sense fury here, but he tries to mask it. Take a look. I'm wondering if you have a comment on this report and court filing out of Arkansas that your son, Hunter, just made you a grandfather again. No, that's a private matter. I have no comment. But only you would ask that. Wow, the teeth like fangs. Uh, he has since been uh, basically forced into acknowledging the uh, seventh grandchild. The New York Times shamed him into doing it. I hope. Well, I don't want the kid to be in any way. I don't know, brought into a political situation, but their negligence of this child is a is a legitimate issue, Caroline. Yes, absolutely. I'm no body language expert, but what I see from that clip is a cold-faced liar, and I see someone who is not at all a family man. The mainstream liberal media can repeat that as many times as they want, but this is the guy who didn't acknowledge his own granddaughter until it became very politically inconvenient for him to continue to ignore her. And it's also a guy who sent his crackhead son around the world to be his bag man and uh -huh. sell out the national interest and security of the United States of America. Can we just imagine if Donald Trump did that with any of his children? 
Never. And you never hear yeah. gloating press stories about Trump or his family. And they're all wonderful people, mm -hmm. great business people as well. Excellent. Scott, I only have uh, 10 seconds. I've never seen fury like that. That's a special kind of fury. Yeah. And before we start speaking, we see fear as the uh, question is being asked. So I thought that was really odd. In the old days, he wasn't like that. But these days, things have changed a little bit. We're actually seeing fear before he starts talking. That right there is, is fear. Because wow. it's almost like a calm surprise when you, when you talk about fear, the facial expression of fear. One of these days, Scott, you got to do uh, me and Caroline. <laughs> I'm afraid what he's going to find out. <laughs> Scott Rouse, thank you very much. Go to scottrouse.com, R-O-U-S-E.com. And please go to MAGA Inc. MAGA Inc.com. Is that right? MAGA Inc.com, Caroline? Yes, MAGAPAC.com. Thanks, Greg. You bet. And we'll be right back. Thanks so much. Funny, you don't, you don't look Palestinian. From the nation to the sea, Palestine will be free. From the nation to the sea? No, from the uh, mountains to the sea. From the mountains to the sea? That's what, that's what we want. From the mountains to the sea? Yeah. Which mountains? You don't know, eh? So many people, these terrorist supporters, don't know what the hell they're talking about. She's trying to say, what did she say? From the nation to the sea. Um, it's an important phrase, and it's important that we understand it. Now, it's very popular with the terrorists and the terrorist supporters. It means genocide. It means eradicating Israel from the river to the sea. From the river to the east of Israel, to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine shall be free. That means getting rid of Israel, all right? You see Gaza there in orange. You see the West Bank in orange. The yellow is Israel. They want it all gone. They want it. Yeah, that's Israel. They want it all gone. They want it to be Palestine. The whole damn thing. This would be eradication, genocide. That's what that is code for. Golda Meir, are you familiar with her? She was a great lady, ran Israel in the early 1970s. Very wise woman. Look at this quote for those who are urging a ceasefire. If the Arabs put down their weapons today, there would be no more violence. If the Jews put down their weapons today, there would be no more Israel. Wow. True. No ceasefire. No more ceasefires. We'll be right back. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. So there's a big speech from President Trump tomorrow in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We're going to have the speech and the rally, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, okay? So 1 o'clock on the West Coast. And it should be great. We're expecting some pretty big announcements from him. We hear that's going to happen. Also, remember, you got to sign up for Newsmax Plus, all right? Go to NewsmaxPlus.com. First, you'll be able to watch Newsmax from wherever you are on whatever you want to watch it on, an iPad, a phone, a big TV, uh, whatever. And with Newsmax Plus, you get movies, shows, specials, my interviews with President Trump, all our archival stuff is up there. Start your free trial, okay? I think you're going to really like it. Newsmaxplus.com. And with that, and have a great weekend. I will be back here on Monday. I will be watching that rally tomorrow. Take care.